0: I was going up there for nine months. That's what they told me, at least. It would take us about three or four days, tops, to get to the moon. And we would be staying on its surface for the next nine months studying. We were briefed extensively on what we were supposed to do there, but honestly, we were just kids. Kids going into space and excited for the biggest round trip of our lives. When you train to become an astronaut... See the pool of contestants thinning by the days. It's hard to make good friends. But I managed to get very close to Eric, and we both succeeded and became official astronauts together. And now we were going on our first space mission. We were beyond ourselves. They could have told us we would be gathering space rocks for the next nine months and we would still have been just as excited. Well, thinking about it, That's about what they told us. We were going to explore the moon in this new hover device made for this sort of low-gravity terrain. Our reports would give them a more accurate map of the moon, and we were to report anything we saw, from rocks to craters or anything else. We didn't expect much. It was the moon, after all. It was gray and dark most of the time. It was rocks and dust and no air. But the thought of going up there really motivated us, and as the days of the countdown approached, I was beyond myself. Now, I didn't sleep a wink the night before we departed, neither did Eric if I saw those bags under his eyes right. So, you know, we're up there. We're getting in the elevator to get in the giant thing filled with rocket fuel. And you know what? I turned to my buddy Eric, and I shit you not, he looked like he was about to pass out. Or he was in such a deep trance, he forgot the world around him for a moment. I snapped my fingers in front of him, and he instantly said, We shouldn't go. And then came back to reality and stared at me like, what? as if he had completely forgotten what he had just said, as if he had just came back to Earth. I jokingly asked him if he was ready, and he twisted his neck around to show me his big, dumb smile. You know, I'm not sure what had happened. Maybe he fell asleep for a fraction of a second. It was a little late to get Starbucks, so I told him to get his work face on because I couldn't possibly fly this bird alone. Well... We weren't really alone. There were two other guys with us in mission control, but Eric needed to focus. We finally took our seats and after a while, the countdown started, and then we were launching. The pull of the rocket locked me to my seat, and I felt my lungs were going to collapse. The pressure was so intense, I felt like I was going to pass out. Fortunately, it all went fairly fast. As soon as we were in space, we could breathe normally again. And everything went well, everyone safe. And all we had to do was wait until we could land on the moon. And with that, three days passed faster than I expected them to. The sight of the earth in our windows was absolutely beautiful. The first time I saw, I was awestruck. Hell, I even managed to ignore Eric's weird sleep talk about some giant egg that he had been doing the last two nights. Well, I ignored it momentarily. I couldn't tease him too long about it, or he ended up doing that weird face where he looked both in pain and confused. It was always a strange few moments in retrospect. You know, every time I teased him about dreaming about an egg. I should have inquired more about how he felt. But like in the elevator... He just kind of snapped out of it after a few seconds. You know, quite honestly, it was a bit creepy, the way his face would scrunch to express his dismay, and then the horror I saw in his eyes. It's like he became an entire other person during that fraction of a second. Someone that was utterly terrorized by something I couldn't understand. Three days later, we were on the moon with our weird anti-gravity vehicle, and for the entire first day, all we did was hover around in this thing until the battery was close to running out, then back to the spaceship to recharge it. We had fun the first couple of days, actually, and then NASA, mission control, asked us to get serious, so we started to pick up rocks and know all of our findings. But things got interesting on the third day when we found a cave. We really wanted to explore it but our vehicle only had about an hour of battery left and we really needed to go back where we might have to push the vehicle ourselves. We went back and we talked about the cave but Eric remained awfully quiet. I slammed my open palm against his clavicle and asked him playfully to snap out of it. He was different. He grabbed my wrist awfully tight and faster than my eyes could detect. His eyes looked at me with such hatred and coldness, I felt like he was going to bite my throat right then and there. His lips were even pursed, revealing his teeth like an animal who would bear his fangs at a predator. I was the predator, but he was the one who was getting me cornered. And that's how I felt. For about 2 seconds until he snapped out of it again, he apologized and said that he was daydreaming. But of all his lapses of late, it was the first time he actually acknowledged that he had a lapse. My wrist was sore and bruised the next day, but we all decided not to talk about it. After all, I was supposed to spend 9 months with them, with only a few days in. I just couldn't call NASA and say something was wrong with my buddy. So, he snapped at me. So what? He'll get better. He's probably just not feeling well or something. That's what I thought. But he got increasingly weirder the more days we spent on the moon. I thought maybe something in him wasn't made for space travel. Maybe his mind wasn't ready. Who knows? But if they can send chimps and a dog, why would a built and headstrong guy like Eric resist space travel? It didn't make sense to me. His absences became more and more frequent, and he snapped at us more frequently. So much that we kind of tried to separate ourselves from him. Unfortunately, I still had to go on missions with him. And each time I said that we should explore the cave, he didn't want to. That we shouldn't go. I had to put my foot down and remind him that our job here was to map the moon. And that cave was a goddamn part of the moon, you know? He snapped at me again, but this time I was ready. I discussed it with one of the engineers, and he said that he would come with me instead, since Eric was being a coward. It got him thinking, it got him finally saying he was going to come with me, but that he hated it and that we needed more light in everything. We equipped ourselves with a bunch of lighting and then we hovered our way to the cave in our vehicle. I also made sure to take an extra battery with us in case the one in our vehicle drained out. I was standing in front of the cave entrance and I couldn't see Eric's face because of his mirrored visor but I could feel something was off just in the way he was standing. Just defensively, almost. Despite the thickness of our suits, it was easy to see that he was as stiff as a stick. Hey, Rick, you gonna piss your pants or what? I said jokingly over the intercom, and he told me to fuck off. That was a human reaction, at least and a semi-good one considering the rocky last few days we had had. I was the first to enter the cave and crack the light sticks. It was unlike anything I'd ever seen. The walls were made of a sort of bioluminescent rock that reacted to the light. It radiated a purple luminescence. Maybe I was wrong, though. Maybe they were more like mirrors reflecting on the light. It was hard to tell with the visor But as soon as the black lights hit them They almost seemed to absorb and reflect the light from it One of our flashlights was more than enough to illuminate the whole corridor And it did look like a corridor The walls looked like they'd been polished And the ground wasn't as rocky, fissured, or scarred as the rest of the moon was It wasn't even dusty in there and as much as I liked the pleasant change of scenery, I also knew that this was unlikely and unnatural. Rick was a few meters behind me when I turned around to look at him. You coming? I asked, but even I didn't sound as convinced. This place was magnificent, but on the moon, it was also eerie and disturbing. I swallowed thickly as Eric repeated that we shouldn't go. It seems like it had become his motto during our trip. I turned around again and started walking down the cave. I felt my heartbeat reverberate in every corner of my body, and strangely enough, outside too. It felt like the very ground I was walking upon was breathing. Not heavily, mind you but this place felt more alive than anything else I'd seen in the past few days on the moon. The Deeper I was going, the more unsettled I felt. I remember thinking that I was the dumb teen in a horror movie, that I should just trust my gut feeling and turn back. That at the end of the next corner, something was going to come out and get me because I was too dumb to run when there was time, and that I deserved it because I ignored my gut feeling. But, with every twist and turn in the corridor, there was always but one choice. To go forward. I mean, at least I wouldn't get lost in there. But it also felt like I was trapping myself. I looked back over my shoulder after some time and realized that Rick wasn't there. Either he'd stayed at the entrance like a coward, where he just wasn't walking fast. I couldn't tell, because behind me, the purplish light was dimming. I took a deep breath and went deeper. That is, till I felt a pulse and warmth. Now keep in mind, the moon is fucking cold. Without our suits, you would freeze up nearly an instant. The radiation wouldn't be so nice either. My gear was actually the only thing preventing me from becoming a human popsicle, but I could still feel the cold. So you can understand how upset I was when I felt something warm, and another pulse. My mouth dried up instantly as I reached the end of the tunnel and I saw a rock, shaped like an egg, emitting warmth and a constant pulse from a room that became so purple it nearly blinded me once I entered it. We shouldn't have come here. I nearly pissed myself as Eric's voice got me out of my contemplation of the strange egg-shaped rock. How the hell had he managed to close the distance so fast was beyond my human comprehension at the current moment. However, I did have my mind on other things. a egg-shaped rock. The urge to touch the rock was Overwhelming. But all my instincts were telling me not to. To pack up my things and go back the other way. I tried to take a picture, but Eric slammed his fist down on the camera, essentially shattering the lens. I yelled at him, asked what his problem was, but he jumped on me. Looking back, it was kind of funny, actually. I saw him jump in slow motion because of the gravity, but he still jumped on me. He slammed his fist against my visor and kept repeating, I told you we shouldn't have come here, incessantly. I was afraid he would end up breaking my visor, as soon as my ass hit the ground. I felt that strange pulse again. There was something about it. It made me feel stronger. I pushed back against him and the lack of gravity did the rest His body was sent flying toward the egg. And I heard the words, I'm home, in my comms as Eric hit the egg. His body was instantly enveloped by the light. We shouldn't have gone there. I saw the light, purple as it may, expand and the pulse becoming much stronger. Just like I was a few minutes ago. It vibrated against the ground and a loud growl echoed from the belly of the cave, right behind the egg. The shell of the egg, which was like a rock, started to shatter. I doubted it was from the impact of my buddy's body, who was now lying face first on the ground. Visor shattered. The cracks in the shells emitted their own lights as Eric stood up but the noise coming from his comms were otherworldly. I stood up and ran as fast as gravity allowed me to, as I saw the last fragments of the shell explode into pieces behind me. I didn't know if the cave was so long, or at least I didn't realize it. I didn't know if whatever was in the egg was chasing me, or whatever was behind the egg was chasing me. I didn't know if my buddy was safe and sound although I doubted it. All I knew was that I needed to get out of there as fast as I could. Even as I reached the entrance of the cave, I felt a presence right behind me, and yet the walls were darker than the night instead of their previous purple glow, and I saw nothing. I climbed the vehicle, started it, and drove away toward the rocket as fast as I could. Now I haven't got a single clue what I saw, but it was alive. It was on the moon and it killed my friend. That I'm sure of. Because as soon as I got back to the spaceship, I demanded that we left the moon as soon as possible. I frantically tried to explain what I saw, what happened with Eric, but the fastest we could go, according to NASA, would have been 24 hours. They had to recalculate our return trip I stayed awake for all 24 of these hours staring out of the window for a creature I hoped would never come and it didn't but neither did Eric or so I thought Eric never made it to the space rocket or at least that's what I thought and when we took off I thought I saw him near the cave. Well, it was far from our launching point. My eyes were glued to that cave the moment the pilot strapped his belt and begun launch. I swear I saw the white dot, the only dot on the moon near the entrance of the cave. I mean, it couldn't be anything but Eric, right? Anyway, I almost felt guilty for not saying anything to the other members of the crew especially since they were all giving me weird looks i can't blame them guy goes to research a cave with another astronaut comes back alone screaming about a weird egg and how it killed one of them i too would have looked at the survivors sideways and wondered if my own safety was at risk even if the trip back to earth was only about three days it was still three days where i would sleep with my eyes wide open I knew what they thought about me. I knew they thought I killed Eric and left him there. But, in urgent situations like that, the mission has to be stopped. I did sign a contract, but extraordinary circumstances are a good reason to break it and end the mission. In any case, even if the crew or NASA suspected me of being a murderer... That, too, was reason enough to bring me back. I idly wondered if space was like international waters and crimes committed here couldn't be judged the same, but I did not entertain the idea very long. I knew my body cam would reveal that I was right, that I was threatened, and that I only did what anyone would have done, which is defending myself against someone attacking me. In front of a big alien egg, no less. And I knew damn well that NASA would likely send another mission to get a hold of that egg. But I knew that my career was over. I would probably never return to space. It's not really because I'm a coward or anything. I mean, I would definitely return to space. Maybe not the moon, though. I've only had a few days there, and I could already tell. This is the kind of environment that I didn't want to be in. But I doubted that my return to Earth would have been as welcome as it would have been had I completed my mission. Hell, I was even a little worried about how they were going to welcome me back. Did I know too much? What kind of non-disclosure agreement would I have to sign to get my life back? Is that even a possibility? Or will I end up in Area 51 because I've been in contact with an alien... And they'll want to see if I'm infected or something. I have no clue if that's what they even do at Area 51. Or if any other astronaut was ever in contact with something alien. I have no idea what the procedures are in that case. And my ignorance on these topics only served to fuel my anxiety and paranoia. Now after about five hours on flight, I finally started to calm down a little bit. Eric the cave, the egg. It was all very far now. Several hundreds of miles, actually. I unlocked my belt and went to the back to get something to eat and possibly drink. My nerves were still a mess, but my instincts felt a bit sharper. My mind, now a little less clouded with fright and residual panic. However, from the corner of my eyes and within my ears... I could see and hear the whispers of the other members of the crew. I'm pretty sure they referred to me as a liability, as dangerous, and started making plans to keep guard. It made me feel sick to my stomach that someone would perceive me as a monster. But it was what it was, and I couldn't blame them. I was suspicious after all. The only survivor of a weird alien cave... Now, to clear the atmosphere a little, I approached them slowly and withstood eye contact with them so they knew I was not dangerous, and yet the way they gazed at me showed me nothing but apprehension, carefulness. I'm going to go to sleep. My nerves are all over the place. Sorry for making you guys worry. And I left before they could reply. But I knew what they were all thinking. Tie me up. Keep me alive until we got down. But tie me up in one place so I couldn't cause harm. I understood. But I would fight the first asshole who'd try to put a rope around me. I got into the sleeping quarters and locked the door. I was sharing mine with Eric anyway, so it's not like they had any business around here. Although... Being alone in that room just didn't feel right. It felt like I had abandoned him and the weight started to push down on my shoulders, making me feel like I was at ground level. No, worse, I felt like I was drowning in guilt. The more time I spent in that room, the more I felt like I should have done something. Couldn't I have just grabbed him instead and brought him outside of the cave? Maybe it was the egg that was influencing his actions. Then I remembered how he spoke of the moon, and we were still in the elevator leading us up to the rocket. We shouldn't go there, he said, and yet he was so incredibly excited, and he kept mumbling that too when we first saw the cave. And yet his eyes were riveted to the cave, and he looked like he almost needed to be physically restrained not to go. I bit my lip as I contemplated all these thoughts, but I definitely felt like I'd given up way too easily. So, what better way to go through guilt than to go through some of Eric's stuff? I had to muffle a sob when I found a picture of him and his wife. It could have been me. I could have been the one left behind, with no body to bring back to my wife. I felt sick again, tears welled up in my eyes, but nothing happened. They dried up when I remembered how he lunged at me and how I had no other choice but to defend myself and I grew tired, very tired, so I decided to lay down. I couldn't find sleep, and at first, I blamed the room. Blamed it because that's where Eric slept and he would never sleep again. I felt like it was my fault. But the more time passed, the more unsettled I felt. Not only because of the guilt. I twisted and turned as I tried to find sleep but couldn't. I even thought I was hearing whispers behind the door. I knew they wouldn't open without the keycard or tinkering in the system because each sleeping quarters had a different keycard. As I turned and turned again, I felt my body growing cold. Sweat dripped down the length of my back and was absorbed by my mat, making it humid and disgusting. I still kept my eyes closed and tried to ignore the voices coming from behind the door. Of all the places on the rocket they could discuss a way to restrain me, it had to be right behind my door. Did they want me to hear them? The whispers only grew louder, and it was like they were bickering about it. Which means one of them had to be on my side, or was giving me the benefit of the doubt. Or knew I couldn't possibly kill someone. But the voices didn't stop. I eventually turned on my back, but kept my eyes closed. I was still trying to convince myself to sleep, but the voices would just nag at me and grow even louder. And then I started shouting, shut up. But when I opened my eyes, the scream that left me was real, visceral. Eric was standing over me, covered in blood. His smile stretched and he whispered, We shouldn't have come. Before I grabbed the lamp on the night table and threw it at him. He disappeared and the lamp shattered against the far wall. My heart was hammering like crazy, the pounding overwhelming any other noise coming from the engine or from the other side of the room. When I stood up, it was on shaky legs. I was pale as a ghost as I looked at myself in the four inch square mirror of the room. I barely had time to reach the trash can and I emptied the contents of my stomach, which wasn't much. I only ate an energy bar earlier when I heard the guys talking about me. The feeling of my shirt sticking to my back also grossed me out. I was dripping with sweat. I finally regained my senses, but I didn't feel any better. It's like I had been poisoned. Something in the very pit of my stomach was grumbling, and it wasn't hunger. Now I decided to wash up. I had never craved the shower as much as I did now, but being in space, running water was hard to go by. In fact, it was an impossibility, so I used the wipes and cleaned myself up as best as I could. I heard Eric's voice replaying in my head again. We shouldn't have come. And the way he smiled, the way his whole uniform was stained with blood. I had to close my eyes and shake my head to get the image out, but even that wasn't enough. The image was burnt right behind my eyelids every time I closed my eyes. To distract myself, I just decided to get out of my room. I had thought about staying there for the rest of the trip, as I felt I wasn't very welcomed with the other two astronauts, but staying inside the sleeping quarters would feel like I would be trapped. I was not much of a claustrophobic, but being in the same room as Eric, I just couldn't take it. Being in the same room as Eric used to be is definitely not doing any good on my mental health. I did feel guilty about leaving him, but I'm still pretty certain I haven't killed him. If he attacked me, it's because he wasn't Eric anymore. The egg had turned him into something else. It served no purpose to wonder on the could have and should have. I was in a life or death situation, and you don't fuck with a guy like that and expect a helping hand in return. Or at least, that's how I tried to convince myself I did nothing wrong. Repeatedly. Inwardly. It may be a bit as a mutter, because I noticed the two others were looking at me strangely. I didn't even realize I was muttering to myself, but... Of course, it wouldn't help my case. Sitting at the dining room table, holding a dehydrated bar of food while muttering, I did nothing wrong. Probably wasn't the least suspicious thing ever. In any case, it's not like I could prove my innocence until we reached Earth and they showed us what the camera recorded. Once I finished my food, I stood up with the intention of returning to my room i'd calmed down a little and really didn't want to stress the rest of the crew more than we already were and then i felt a hand on my shoulder as i was about to leave a large palm cold and wet like the sweat that had my shirt sticking to me earlier i heard eric's voice and when i turned around there he was his mouth had fallen agape and thick black slime was dripping from his lips He was laughing maniacally under his breath and muttering that we shouldn't have come and my eyes widened in disbelief. I punched him but the illusion didn't fade so I tried to punch him again and again while screaming at him to go away. That I did nothing wrong and that he attacked me and that it was all the egg's fault. I think I even started crying but then I felt warmth around my arms and I was pulled back. The illusion disappeared and I realized I was punching one of the other members of the crew and I was being restrained by the other. His face was already swelling and from the looks of it, he had a concussion. His eyes was bulging grotesquely on the left side and blood was dripping from a cut on his temple. I looked at him and then at my fists. I could feel the other man's breath as he shouted at me to calm down. I could feel the droplets spit as they hit my neck. But as I looked at my hands, I couldn't believe my eyes. My fists were covered in black slime, and I tried to shake my hands but couldn't even unclench them. It was like my hands were trapped in that black sludge. And as it was climbing, I could feel it crawl up my arm, the higher it was getting the stiffer my arms. I don't know how I managed it, but I broke free from the other guy's grasp, and I started banging on the walls, screaming at this thing to get off of me. I kept on saying what the fuck is that, and slamming my hands on the wall. I couldn't feel a damn thing. Couldn't even begin to remove some of that black goo that was slowly engulfing my arms. And then I felt it right in my neck the pinprick of a needle I barely had the time to turn around and look at my crewmate my body crashed to the ground and everything went black when I woke up I was lying down on my bed strapped rather poorly might I add but strapped anyway A flashback of the situation brought me back to reality. I'd nearly killed the crewmate earlier, thinking he was Eric. I told you we shouldn't have come. His voice and laughter haunted me again, but I couldn't see him this time. When I tried to move, the pain that radiated from my arms was intense. They were swollen and my fingers looked like sausages. I wonder if I broke my fingers beating up my crewmate, or did I break my fingers banging on the wall? Either way, it didn't matter. Those fingers were definitely broken, and someone hadn't administered first aid. Thinking about it, if I'd really given the other guy a concussion, then there was only one left. It took all of my willpower to wiggle out of my restraints, They were fairly loose. Obviously, someone wasn't a boy scout in his youth for sure. When I stood up, I nearly fell down. My balance was off, but I attributed it to the tranquilizer that was still rushing through my system. I had no idea how long I had been out. A couple hours, six hours, half a day, I couldn't tell. It was hard to do anything with my arms in that state so I simply got out of my room to ask for help. If they still wanted to extend it, of course. I wouldn't be surprised if they wanted me dead at this point. If I were them, I would have locked me too. I found one of them in the dining room, and as I entered, I saw the panic in his eyes. I'm okay. That probably wasn't what he wanted to hear. How was he? I asked about the other crewmate and saw him stiffen a bit more. He told me that Steven was recuperating, but weak and that he couldn't see shit out of his left eye. I swallowed thickly and told him his knots were loose. Then I showed my arms and told him I couldn't do anything to anyone in that state and that he didn't need to do that. But He didn't reply, but Eric did. Look at him. He's scared of you. And now that you two are all alone, he will definitely try something. We shouldn't have come. I blinked and I tried to ignore it. It was all in my head. I mean, it had to have been all in my head. Listen, can I have some water and painkiller for these? I asked, not realizing I was panting. Was it me or was it just this place getting so incredibly hot? My vision blurred a little and I took a seat as my crewmate moved a foot away or so. Eric was right. He feared me. I could smell it. No, I could taste it. I turned my gaze to him and I saw the edge of my vision blur again but sharpen in the center. I could see everything about my other crewmate and felt like I could even understand his thoughts. I saw him stare at me in absolute terror, and then look back at the fire extinguisher on his right. I asked what he was doing. He didn't reply. But Eric did. He's not going to be so nice as to use an injection this time. He laughed. He laughed a cheeky laughter that sent a chill right through me, but I knew he was right. He wasn't looking to save me or to bring me back to earth anymore. He was looking like a cornered animal baring his teeth at the predator ready to jump at its throat at a moment's notice. I could feel the tension in the atmosphere so thick I could have cut it with a knife. I could taste his fear on my tongue. That's how palpable it was. I stood up and took a step forward. If I was going to be threatened I would look like a threat myself. I'd gone through too much to let someone terrorize me again. All I wanted was to go back home at this point. And I told them. I told them not to do anything stupid. That this trip didn't have to go like that. That they would fix everything down there. That there was a logical explanation to everything happening right now, and that he didn't have the right to judge me, because he wasn't there. He hadn't seen shit. You killed him. He snarled at me and grabbed the fire extinguisher. I was stunned, but not for long. Was he not recuperating? I asked. I remembered snarling that he lied to me. I remember the way he looked at me his terrified gaze full of venom and anger and fear as he lunged toward me. I felt his body weight hit me full on and I stumbled backward. Then, I was hit in the face with the fire extinguisher. Let me tell you something. This shit's heavy. I tasted blood in the back of my mouth and I passed out for a fraction of a second. When I woke up, The man was still sitting on top of me and was about to slam the fire extinguisher again. Adrenaline pumped through my system as I used my broken arms to get him to roll off of me. Eric was laughing in the background and I caught a glimpse of him and he'd started dripping black again. I didn't even know what day we were, how long we had left in this trip, but I knew my life was threatened. What does a man do when his life is threatened? He fucking fights back. And so I fought back and I felt an incredible surge of power through me. My arms covered in slime again, and I couldn't feel my pain anymore as I slammed my fist to the side of his face. I heard the sickening crack of the bone around his eye socket fracture under the pressure of my fist. I could tell I'd hurt him greatly because I could feel blood and viscous liquid on my fingers as I pulled back. He reached a hand to his exploded eye and snarled in pain, then tried to get away. But I couldn't let that happen. I wouldn't let that happen. He would just take another opportunity to kill me before we reached Earth. I grabbed the fire extinguisher and slammed it against the back of his head. He was turning his back on me, trying to escape like a coward. To a fight he had started, to a murder he had attempted, to a job he couldn't finish. All he had to do was give me some water and painkillers and I would have returned to my room where I would have locked myself in, but no. He had to go and try to murder me. I slammed the extinguisher against the back of his skull again and this time, I distinctly heard the bones give in. Blood and gray matter started to spill from his open cranium, and I knew he was done for. I stood up and I decided to look for the other. Was he really dead? Did I really kill him with my bare fist? It felt like all of my senses were heightened. I took the guy's sleeping quarters card and headed towards their room. When I opened the door, he wasn't there. No corpse, no sleeping guy recuperating. I returned to the dining room and saw him at the edge of the door, as if he had come back from the cockpit. He was staring at the guy lying on the floor, then at me, with my broken arms and all the blood splotches on the front of my shirt. I saw the panic in his eyes. and knew he would lock me out of the cockpit, but I needed to be there. I felt like I had to go there, and so I dashed at him and managed to get into the cockpit in time, and that's when I felt something slam against my ribs. Once, twice, I'd taste the blood again in my mouth for the second time that day, but I managed to stop the third swing. He was attacking me with a large wrench, and probably a cracked rib or two. I managed to grab it from him without thinking, I swung back. Again, I heard the disgusting sounds of bones breaking and blood spilling, before a familiar thump resonated against the floor. His body had hit the ground and his muscles jumped. I slammed the wrench back down on him again. As I heard mission control, it was time to engage. I dropped the bloody wrench and buckled my belt, and Eric just kept laughing behind me. I looked at him one last time as we entered Earth's atmosphere and the pressure made me pass out. My body was in a pitiful state. When I woke up, I was bandaged, cleaned up, and chained to a hospital bed. I could tell from the look of my room that I wasn't locked in any hospital. A NASA employee entered my room and sat next to me. This couldn't be good. I was about to open my mouth when he advised me to shut up. so I did. While he talked, flashes of what happened stalked my very thoughts. He told me how he saw everything. With Eric first. When Eric lost his mind and attacked me. He said I got lucky because we were in a no gravity zone. And then he told me how he saw everything on board. How I attacked my crewmates, how I'd killed them in cold blood. I felt like I was going to vomit. I wanted to explain that they had tried to kill me first, but instead, he showed me. He showed me what had happened on board, from the moment we were leaving the moon to the moment I killed my crewmates in cold blood. All the souvenirs I thought I had were fake, all the flashes I thought were true were fake. I'd not kill the first guy with my bare fist. There I was on camera, slamming his head repeatedly into the door until I was stopped by the second guy. I didn't break my arms either. When I thought I was slamming my arms against the wall, I was actually fighting back against my other crewmate. I freed myself for two seconds and he dashed to the ICU, and, well, I kept beating on the dead guy's corpse. I turned him around and slammed my fists against his already unrecognizable face, and his blood splattered everywhere. I was drugged, but the camera revealed that the moment I woke up, I was mumbling to myself. I stayed in a trance for a day. And then I managed to free myself after that. And the first thing I did was grab the fire extinguisher and attack my other crewmate with it. I told the NASA employee that this couldn't be true. That this isn't what I remembered. I told him about the whispers. About the way they were plotting to kill me. And I told him about Eric. The slime. The way I broke my arms. But. When I looked at my arms, outside of a few bruises, they looked fine. And then the questions dropped. What did you mutter to the egg for 45 minutes when you first discovered it? I was flabbergasted. 45 minutes? My encounter with the egg had barely lasted 10, and 8 of those minutes were spent struggling against Eric. But he showed me the video of the moment I reached the egg and how I spent 45 minutes looking at it and muttering before Eric showed up and attacked me. Is this why I thought Eric moved too fast? He was lagging behind, but somehow magically reappeared behind me. Did I lose my mind? What was the egg? I couldn't answer him. What were you mumbling? I still couldn't answer him. Well, such a shame. He replied as he stood up. As he stood in the doorway, he told me that they would be back later to examine me, and that I was sure was true. Just like I knew Eric standing above me again and whispering, we shouldn't have come wasn't